Welcome, everybody, to the EM Over Easy podcast. I'm Andy Little, joined with my other host, Drew Kalnow, and some guests that we have with us today. We have our co-host, John Casey, one of our blog writers, Patricia Capone, and then our special guest of the day is Marco Perpersi. Marco, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. It's a blast. I'm uh, very excited to be here and talk about one of my favorite topics, actually. So Marco hails from the great New Jersey, works at St. Joe's with one of our other friends of the show, Anand Swami Nathan. And Marco, that's kind of how we got connected to bring you on the show to talk about a couple things. The first thing we're going to talk about today is productivity. So why don't you kind of get us started, and then we'll kind of chat a little bit. Are we going to kind of chat, or are we... We're going to chat. I think the first step in productivity is being precise with your words. All right, Marco, I've scolded, uh, scolded Andy already this morning, so I feel good about myself, and I'm already being productive on my missions, but let's hear from you. Tell us a little bit about productivity. Yeah, thanks for the good times. Great introduction. Um, well, for me, I always felt that uh, I would be in academia when, when I started. Uh, but when I graduated residency, we, my wife and I, we had some issues trying to get pregnant, and we were trying to start a family. It took us a little bit longer than anticipated. So uh, lo and behold, eventually, we were blessed with triplet girls. And uh, all of a sudden, the whirlwind of my life got in the way of both mine and my wife's career goals and aspirations. So as I started to work and constantly take on another shift, another shift to pay for all the expenses that uh, that came with having triplets, I realized that if, if I didn't start to make a change that I was going to be burnt out and you know it wasn't going to take very long. So becoming more organized is, is something that I was able to do and help me accomplish the things that I really wanted for me and things that were important in my professional and personal life. It's a real struggle, right? I mean, you, you finish residency, you think I'm gonna have all this free time now, I don't have administrative duties to do, I don't have all these other uh, meetings I necessarily have to attend to, um, which by itself is not true, right? Typically, when you you start off at a program, maybe for a little while at your new job, there's not a whole lot going on. But quickly, you're asked to join a committee or be part of something or get involved in some projects, whether it's academics or not. And then there's life. Uh, All of a sudden, you start living life a little bit too. And uh, it Andy and I both have kids. We know how, how that goes, uh, balancing that act, uh, whether uh, your spouse is working, your partner is working or not, is is a real struggle. So how do you approach it? How do you start off saying, okay, I need to find some balance in my life. I need to make sure that I'm doing the things that make me happy, that make me whole away from work, but I'm still productive at work and accomplishing my my career goals as well. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I remember actually feeling this way since as long as I can remember, probably since college and definitely med school. But I always said to myself, you know, if I could have any wish, I would always wish for, you know, one or two more hours in the day that that only I knew about so people couldn't ask more stuff of me. And what I realized was that I actually didn't need more time. I just needed to spend my time more wisely. And what I found is that, you know, by just making some small changes, some small habits that I can actually get that time and still do all the things that I wanted to do professionally, spend all the time I needed to spend or wanted to spend with my family, and actually do some personal things like exercise or fitness or, or snowboarding. And one of the easiest S- things... Snowboarding? Is, yeah, I do like to snowboard. Actually. So you like to scrape all the perfectly good snow off of a mountain so us skiers can enjoy it? Hey, you know, I, I know there's always been a beef between snowboarders and skiers, but I've I've traveled with both skiers and snowboarders, and and I'm equal opportunity friend. I love them all. Yeah, I mean, what you can't see on the podcast, I'm smiling. Any any good snowboarder is totally worth skiing with. Uh, it's just like a a learning skier sucks to ski behind, so does a learning snowboarder. But uh, I like to give snowboarders some flack. So, Marco, as you were thinking about ways to make the time you spend more productive, 
I know you've done some research that you're going to share with us, but what are some simple things that like initially popped out to you? Well, the first thing, you know, I've never been a huge social media person, but I, I actually am pretty much into sports pretty heavily, I should say. So a, a couple, a couple, uh, updates ago, uh, the iPhone actually added some, some software updates where you can check your screen time. And one of the things I noticed was that I was spending like five hours a day on my phone and seven hours every single week, just on like CBS sports or checking my fantasy teams and things like that. And, you know, as you just realize it's like, I could find out everything I need to know about the Yankees or the giants or any other team in like five minutes. I don't need to spend seven hours a week on this. And what if I was able to capture that time and put it to something that I really am passionate about or something that I want to do for myself or spend it with my family. So right off the bat, kind of your iPhone is is low-hanging fruit that's that's easy. And you just got to ask yourself some questions. Is like, is this CBS Sports or Twitter or Instagram or Facebook? Is this really meaningful to me? And is it impactful for my life? Or are there things I would rather be doing with that seven or eight hours that I have and, and then make a decision? We talked about an episode, gosh, Andy, it's been a couple of years ago now, about notifications and notification fatigue. And it was when I got a smartwatch, actually, that I became really aware of how many notifications I got. And one of the best things, maybe one of the best things I've done is get a smartwatch because it allowed me to really clear a lot of my life of notifications coming from an electronic device. And now, you know, Uber Eats will send me like, hey, there's a, a $5 deal. I'm like, nope. Oh, man, how did that setting change, right? Like immediately go away. I do not. I don't want to be told about that, period, and certainly not vibrating my wrist because it's one of those things that like I want to be available for family, for friends, for for things going on that you need to know. Don't always have my phone on me, so it's great to have those those notifications, but you really, really have to limit what it is. And I don't like even things popping up on my home screen on my iPhone. You know, I, I have to go through the physical motion of opening up and saying, oh, hey, there's something on, say, Slack, which is, uh, gosh, a device uh, or a platform that uh, I use in, in many, many aspects of life that I have to be responsible for, but I don't need to be constantly blasted with. I think that's that's great advice. And I do, I agree. I love that uh, weekly screen time uh, report that I get on my iPhone. And when it goes up a significant percentage, I think about, hey, was this something going on where I was purposefully on my phone a bunch or was there something else going on that I need to cut it out and, and make sure I'm not getting carried away with screen time? So Marco, one of the things that you mentioned that I thought was really cool, and I'm, I'm a self-professed productivity nerd as well. I think uh, both Andy and Drew could attest to that. I think one of the things that I've encountered with people uh, that have looked at the productivity journey, as it were, whatever that may look like for them, one of the things that I find that happens is some people realize that they need to do it or that they don't have the space that they want, and then they look at everything and they just get overwhelmed. They become paralyzed by what's in front of them, and they, they don't take any actions. But it sounds like you didn't particularly have that. It sounds like you recognized that there was a problem and went to address it. What was that like, and what would you say to folks that just, what's the kind of, what's the first emotional step to, to just commit to do something or anything? Yeah, I think for me, I think you almost kind of have to be at the point where you're, where you're burnt out or you're, you're, you feel exhausted and you start to get angry. So I would, I would get angry with my wife when she would ask me to do like simple things because I always felt like I didn't have enough time. And I think when I recognized that, that this kind of anger or these emotions were creeping in and starting to affect my family and my kids, I'm like, this is, this is not right. I shouldn't be mad that, uh, you know, I'm spending time with my, my family or that my wife asked me to do like a simple chore that's going to take five minutes. But it's that stress of all these, these things, these projects that you have to do, these timelines that are nagging on you and that feeling that 
I don't have enough time to get anything done. So when that hit me, that's really the impetus for me to start looking at these things and making changes and, and actually making decisions on whether or not things, the things that were occupying my time were, were really important to me and, or whether I can, I can just drop them altogether. One of the good things I think is that it is a process and I, I think your level of commitment, you don't have to go really hard. I think I've gotten to the point where I'm probably a little bit more extreme than most people would be and maybe not so extreme as others, but um, I don't have any social media apps on my phone and I'm not really a big social media person anyway and I never have been, but I initially started with just deleting the apps off my phone completely so that I couldn't access them. Not necessarily the account, but hey, like you want to go to CBS Sports, I'd have to go to the web browser. I couldn't uh, get it on the app. Um, and I did that same thing with email, actually, because the other thing was just these emails were just getting overwhelming and you're constantly checking for all these nonsense, like the IT servers down at work or, you know, or something else. And so I next I deleted my email, both my work and my personal email app off the phone. So I could still access them, but I have to go to the web browser. So if I really wanted to go on my email to check something important, that extra step of actually having to like physically type out the email, it might be enough to just distract you or block you from surfing just because you're bored and not necessarily because you physically have something that you want to do. And I think finally, and since I, since we talked about this, this podcast, which was November and actually my, my latest step, and I actually called it going dark, but, um, Cal Newport wrote this book, deep work, which is one of my faves. And he, he also wrote a book two years ago called digital minimalism, which I just finished and, uh, actually deleted my web browser completely off my phone and so I cannot access the internet on my phone at all. Um, and initially I thought that, I don't know, is this going to be, am I going to need it? Am I going to miss it? And I will tell you, it's been very liberating and I don't feel, I don't miss it at all. So the apps that I have can still access the internet. So if I need to transfer some money in my bank or purchase something on Amazon, I can, but I cannot just like surf because I'm bored and spend you know stupid time doing something I don't really care about. So you're starting to introduce some concepts about making things uh, invisible or, or difficult to use. And one of the things that uh, you introduced me to as I was preparing for this is the idea of atomic habits and, and how to deal with those. Since you've kind of introduced this topic already, you want to take us a little farther down this uh, atomic habits uh, pathway and, and walk our listeners through how you can really make good decisions about not just getting rid of habits, but but staying away from habits, which, you know, we know is the hard part, whether it is social media, whether it's the internet, whether it's smoking, whether it's, you know, whatever your, your vice is, uh, how, how we can really make some lasting change. Yeah. Atomic Habits actually was a, is a, is a great book. I read it a couple months back and, uh, it's been a New York times bestseller for, for a few years now. And the, the reason I like the book is because it really crosses all specialties, crosses all fields. And it does have these like really simple and concrete rules that you can almost apply to, to anything. And uh, there's rules to create good habits, but then there's also rules to create bad habits. And I find that, it, especially in the beginning, it's easier just to try to eliminate bad habits. And one of the first rules was to reduce your exposure and remove the cues from your bad habits in your environment. And when it comes specifically to what we're talking about today, reducing your exposure is removing those apps from your phone that are occupying your time and, and stealing time from more meaningful things in your life. So whether it's deleting the social media completely and deleting your account, but if you don't want to take it to so, such an extreme, um, to the extreme, you can just delete the application. So it's okay to 
to use the apps as long as it's a conscious decision. But what I think is it's not okay to use the app if it's an unconscious decision. And this is probably a whole other topic, but these companies spend probably billions of dollars on making these apps super addictive. So you're subconsciously doing, you don't even know why you're surfing, you're just surfing. But I think if we move on to the next step, it's you, know, you have to reframe our, uh, your mindset. And uh, Clear says in the book, he said that, you know, if you think about a few things, you, you ask somebody who smokes and you ask them, hey, you know, do you, uh, do you want a cigarette? And if the person says, no, I don't want a cigarette, I'm trying to quit. But if you ask that same person, hey, do you want a cigarette? And they say, no, I don't smoke. I mean, that's pretty powerful. And you can see the difference in the sentiment. One is a person who's trying to do something. The other is a person who's, who's literally associating themselves with a person that doesn't smoke. So I think, think the same thing we can apply to our productivity. It's like, hey, do you want to surf social media or anything? And it's like, I'm not the type of person that wastes time on Twitter or YouTube or Facebook or Instagram. Um, and yes, those, those tools, they serve purposes. So it's okay to use them for a specific reason, a specific person. But I'm a productive person and I don't use those tools for, for boredom or for entertainment. And then I think the third step is, is kind of similar um, to the first in a sense, but where he says you make it difficult, you want to increase the friction. So when it comes to some of these apps that are taking your time, um, some of the things I did was a, you know, you can delete the account or, or the app. But the other thing you might do is just, um, if you don't want to take it that far, you could also delete the password. So, uh, so w- whenever you're jumping on, you, you manually have to enter that password every single time. Um, and I think that that might be enough. And, and again, it's okay to surf on these sites if you have a specific purpose, but you don't want to fall down a hole and waste two hours when you could be something doing uh, doing something productive. And on another on another vein, there uh, I actually downloaded this app called Freedom, and this is kind of like a commitment device. So what you can do is you can uh, download this app to your phone, and it crosses platforms, so it could be on your laptop, your smartphone, your tablet, and you can actually block websites that uh, are distracting. So if you are working on a project. Um, or, or a research paper or a blog post or a podcast outline, and you really need to put in an hour or two that you have blocked off for this, you can open this application and set a timer and say, uh, your computers and your devices are not allowed to access Twitter, Instagram, any social media, or even email for, for that sense. And you can only access the sites that you designated are, are appropriate that you may need for some research. And that's been very, very useful. And I guess the fourth step, which... I don't necessarily uh, do, but it says make it unsatisfying and get an account- accountability partner. And in the book, he says that you can sign a contract um, and, and make a promise to somebody. Some people I've heard even use Twitter or social media, which for me kind of defeats the purpose, but um, they put it out there on social media. I'm doing a 30-day challenge or something, and um, it, it puts themselves on blast, almost like I'm, I'm advertising this. So now people know I have to keep up with it. Um, but one of the things I, I do is I, I do use a tracker. And I use this tracker called Habit, and Habit allows you to enter your good habits in there. And every single time you perform the habit, based on whatever schedule you set, so if it's, I want to read uh, four times this week for 30 minutes or 30 pages, you, you just check it off. And it's it's got a really uh, nice looking interface. And at the end of the month, you can see a calendar of all the days that you've performed that that good habit. So you can kind of almost have this weekly or monthly review and check your your status and say, okay, my goal was to do it 16 times this month. Did I hit 16 or you know, how did I feel? Can I do more? Um, do I need to reassess that habit and maybe change it to something? 
Patricia, as, as Marco was talking, you know, you're a medical student, you've got a ton going on. And uh, if you haven't realized it yet, like, there's only more to do. So what are you taking away from what Marco has been bringing? Yeah, I think the main thing is I I was kind of thinking about social media too. And I think it's hard because I think we can, it's very easy to fool ourselves into thinking, oh, like, but I use social media for EM over easy. And I, you know, I share those posts and, you know, and I live, my family lives in New York. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm checking on them. And it's like, okay, I could pick up the phone and call them and spend, you know, 30 quality minutes catching up with them versus like, just like scrolling through Facebook for an hour. So I think it's also partially being honest with ourselves. So not only like recognizing, but then being like, oh yeah, no, seriously, I spend way too much time doing this or that. So I think just, yeah, analyzing your time. And I think some people have a hard time with to-do lists because once kind of like John was saying, like once you put it all out there, you're just like paralyzed by everything that you have to do. And so you, and I'm one of those people that I'll see all these to-dos and then I just do nothing because I'm like, okay, I can't even, I don't even know where to start. Um, But I think just kind of like starting with one thing and pulling out, deciding what's superfluous, superfluous, I can't speak and uh, go from there. So Patricia, you bring up a great point, which is, you know, it's one thing to, decrease distractions to get rid of the things that are bad habits. But the other part of this is developing really good habits and and allowing yourself to be able to do good work, to do deep work, and to find time, energy, and and really dedication to to get this done. So, Marco, I think you have some some thoughts as far as that goes too. Not to completely steal the the Cal Newport phrase, deep work, but I mean that's I, I think most of us have read that and and have in incorporated a lot of that into how we actually are productive, but but walk us through what you're doing so we can kind of bring this picture uh, uh, full circle. Yeah, I like, I, I perform deep work probably four to five times a week, and uh, I usually base it on my clinical schedule. So uh, clearly, if you're working an overnight, I, I keep those days off limits. So if I'm working an overnight post calls completely off limits, and even we have some weird shifts at three to three and three to two. And usually I'll keep those mornings off limits too. Cause I just find that if I don't get six to eight hours of sleep minimum, uh, that I'm just not going to be very productive and I can't get, keep my thoughts together. Uh, but I w- what I will usually do is I'll, I have a weekly review on Friday and that's where I'll take a look and I'll go through my previous week and see if I accomplished everything I thought I wanted to. And then I'll look at the next upcoming weeks and sometimes I'll go the full month and I'll schedule my deep work sessions. And they're usually about uh, two hour sessions to three hour sessions. And I actually do them. I used to do them at four in the morning, but now I'm actually doing them at three in the morning. And it, there was a little bit of a process. I didn't start out uh, waking up early. I wasn't always a morning person. So I just started out initially just 30 minutes earlier than I normally would and would read something. Um, and then after that got a little easy, I started out with an hour. And now if I do like a 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. or even a 7 to 3, I'll wake up at 3 and I'll do three hours of some kind of productivity or read something before the rest of the day starts. And I used to use I used to actually work out during that time. But now with the pandemic and gyms are closed and I have kids in the house, I can't really work out. Um, so I, I find it super productive, though. I pretty much can do everything I need to do for the entire day before the entire world is awake and the rest of the day, I'm just free to do whatever I want almost. Yeah, you do a, a great job there explaining kind of a, the concept of incrementalism, right? Just 30 minutes the first time, and then you'll eventually back it up uh, to where it's productive. And I think that's a, a great side tip into one of the things that you're talking about, because Patricia mentioned something that's really important, right? Um, some people 
uh, aren't in the position at a present time where they can delete uh, the internet from their phone or they, they can delete Twitter. It's, it's kind of part of something they have to do. So, um, I was kind of thinking about some of the things that, that I've done over the, the pandemic and learning. And one of them was, um, just simply reorganizing the, the home screen and, uh, using folders and putting apps that you use there, but they're, they're kind of back and they're hidden. They're not front of mind when you pick up your phone. And comparing how you, you utilize them, uh, after you do that. So I have those apps. I can access them if I need them, but that was, that was my way of, uh, embracing the fear that I had of not being able to access the internet from my phone, but also at the same time getting a lot of the benefits of not just having ready access to it. And, and I think that that approach, uh, is so, so important right now. I think, um, unfortunately sometimes people hear, podcast like this or read a productivity book and uh, you think that you just you're going to set it down and the next day everything's going to be super productive and it's super easy but one of the things that you've talked about is really that it's been a journey that you've done this over a period of time uh, and you have to let yourself have some mistakes right like there are going to be times where you're going to slip into back into habits or um, you're going to find that something just isn't going to work for you. It's just, it's, it's, it's a great productivity idea, but it's just not your thing. Did, did you have anything that you, that you found that you tried that you were, that you thought might be good, but, uh, but kind of surprised you and, and then really wasn't? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's the list of mistakes that I've made. I don't even know if we have enough time to record on a podcast, but yeah, there's quite a bit of mistakes. And, and the, the thing about, anything, and especially productivity, is that it's not really a one-size-fits-all. So the things that are going to work for me uh, may not work for, for you, John, or Drew, or, or, um, or Patricia. It really just depends on your lifestyle and, and what time that you have available. Uh, but these tools are pretty flexible, so th- th- even the tools are not necessarily uh, specific. They're often a one-size-fits-all. I think the biggest mistake I made, and this kind of goes towards what Patricia was saying, is that um, when uh, you have too many things to do, it can be overwhelming. And when I make to-do lists, I used to try to put deadlines on things like arbitrary deadlines. So I would say, okay, you know, I'm going to do like these five or 10 things to, uh, today. Inevitably, something else comes in your life that either sucks up some of that time that you weren't anticipating, a flat tire, you know, bank calls, something. Um, so now I try to avoid putting deadlines on things unless they absolutely have to be done. Like if this is a hard deadline, it has to be a hard deadline. So I think what happens if you put deadlines on all 20 things that you have on your to-do list, you don't do five or six of them. And now in your mind, you're, you're saying that it's okay to miss these deadlines. So I only put deadlines on things that have to be done. And if they, if they don't have to be done on uh, January 28th, then I don't put a deadline on it. You know, I have, I have them in my to-do list and I, I have suggestions like I'd like to get it done this week. That would be a weekly goal. Um, but that is one thing that, that I, I remember and I just feeling this overwhelming sense of holy crap, like I have all this stuff that, that has a deadline and they, they were just arbitrary that I randomly picked. Yeah. I, I love that idea about deadlines. I, I feel like Marco, we had a similar experience where I, I gave myself too many deadlines and then found that I was getting nothing done because I was petrified by these deadlines. And so as you were talking, I was reminded of a, a, a blog post that we'll throw in the show notes that Drew wrote recently for Academic Life, where I, I think the way he tackles some of this is I'm going to let him say it, but I think he's got, to me, my, my, my current favorite phrase when I think about what to do next. 
Oh, the next right thing or the next best thing? Yeah, the next right thing. Yeah, uh, which which is totally stolen from Frozen too, right? I mean, I I have a kid that watches uh, Frozen nonstop, but it. it so I, that was actually like a bigger, you know, uh, life motto that I'm currently trying to do. But I, I think when you get it into productivity, there's some really great things, which is you said the perfect thing, which is goals versus deadlines, right? It, a project that you're putting a lot of effort into, just saying, I have to have it done by by this day without really creating the goals along the way to get it properly accomplished serves nothing other than to create a whole bunch of anxiety and give you a couple uh, late nights or, you know, an all-nighter to, to pull it off, as opposed to, I know that in mid-February, I have to have this project done, but I'm going to start scheduling time periodically throughout every week or every other week leading up to that so I can do the deep thinking phase, right? Just wrap my head around the project, and then I'm going to start doing research on it, and then I'm going to start writing some stuff. And so by you know two weeks out, I want to have a general concept of where I'm going to go, and then I can get into the writing phase. You know, it's to get really good work done, it can't just be today, I'm going to write the outline for this podcast, and I'm going to be done by the end of the day. Like, that's not probably how you approach this podcast. You probably spent a couple days thinking about it, whether it was like five minutes here, five minutes there, like a half hour looking some things up, and then it all starts to come together. And and you do that by setting goals, not by setting deadlines. At least that's how I've wrapped my head around getting good work done productively with the quality that I expect of myself. And, and that's a hard thing to do because getting work done is one thing, but getting quality work done is another thing. Yeah, I thought you. I think you brought up some really great points, and and I didn't uh, talk about this particular book in the show notes, but it also also goes to what Patricia was saying, and uh, it's actually a, a great quote. So there's a book I want to say I'm gonna, I might massacre his last name, but it's by Bo- Brian Tracy or Tracy. It's called Eat That Frog, and it's a New York Times bestseller. It's a really fast read. You can read it in like two three days if you haven't read it. Um, but the it starts with like a quote from Mark Twain, and it says that. If it's your job to eat a frog, the first thing you should do every single day is eat the frog. And if it's your job to eat two frogs, you should eat the ugliest one first. So when when you're deciding on what what it is that you need to do when you have a to-do list or uh, or something like that, is you should pick the hardest thing that you have to do that day and just get it out of the way right away. And the hardest thing might not be um, something productive. It might just be, Hey, like I'm, I'm really slacking on the gym and I have a cardio session or whatever. Like I'm going to do that first or, uh, so really it, it's going to be dependent on you. But if you go through the day, knowing that whatever the most challenging thing is for that day, and you already did it, then the rest of the day is going to be, it's going to be a breeze and you're going to be super productive. And the other thing that I like that you said is, uh, setting, setting goals. And in the book, the eat the frog, one of the first things they mention in the first chapter is that, um, when you pick a, a project or a goal, um, what you should do is literally write down every single thing that you need to do from start to finish to accomplish that goal. That doesn't mean that that's gonna it's not going to change and that's going to be end all be all. But what it does is it gives you a really clear sense of all the steps that that need to be done for for you to finish a blog post outline or a podcast outline or or research project. And so actually, that's that's pretty much how I how I uh, attack all of my projects and goals is when I think about them and get clarity, I, I think about them from start to finish and I write down all of the steps that I think I'm going to need to do. And again, I, I probably have to do some edits uh, here and there. And that allows me to think about what it is the next thing that needs to be done to move this project forward. And I think oftentimes we get hung up and uh, we haven't clearly defined the project. So we get so overwhelmed by it. But once you get that clarity, knowing like, 
okay, the first thing I need to do is do a literature search. Um, and once I have a literature search, I'll, you know, I'll create some things or next thing is call the librarian. Once you have those five or six things to do, the next steps are almost always pretty easy and not that time consuming. They usually just take a few minutes. You just haven't thought about the project that well. So, Marco, I really appreciate you coming on the show and bringing this particular topic. I feel, one, it's timely for each one of us in our careers. It's I, I try to do a yearly kind of uh, retrospect to talk about this, particularly for me. But I even think now in time of COVID where people feel that, oh, we're all remote, so we're, we we can get more done. So I've had to do a lot of this recently in terms of having to check myself and recheck my process. This has been a great start to a conversation. I feel like we could literally dive into each one of these smaller topics and spend each individual shows for it. But we wanted to go ahead and stop it here. And again, Marco, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Want to be a guest on our show and then, of course, following up and being a guest on the show. So for those of you that have been listening, there'll be a great blog post that goes with this with a ton of really good resources that we recommend you check out. And uh, guys, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me again. It's been a blast. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the EM Over Easy podcast. Head on over to emovereasy.com to check out the blog post and to read many of our other blog posts written by our wonderful blog team. Also, don't forget that we are now the official podcast of the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians, or ACOAP for short. Head on over to acoap.org to learn more about this great organization and about one of their many upcoming CME opportunities. Music.